Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan presents Mile High Hoops with Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a single sliver of your day with me here on the podcast. <sighs> My God. My God. I mean, I am both speechless and still gathering my thoughts from what took place on Tuesday evening at Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. I, like the rebar and the steel beams that make up Ball Arena, I was in the building. It was one of the craziest, no, check that. It was the craziest sporting event that I have ever been at live. I have so many thoughts here, and I am quite literally still, um, you know, when I said I'm gathering my thoughts, you know, when you're when you're at the game, you uh, have awesome uh, advantages, uh, such as feeling the temperature and tenor of the hometown crowd. And let me just say this. This was my first game um, that had a live crowd. All right, 10,500, it felt like 20,000. It felt like a completely filled arena. So you have these, um, you know, you can see interactions maybe that aren't caught on camera, you know, facial expressions that aren't honed in on the TV. Uh, But also, you know, it's less um, processing, in my opinion, because you have all of these moving parts around you, such as, you know, media members to the left and right. You have this full crowd. You have the uh, music thumping in your face. You have the jumbotron. Um, when you're watching at home, you just have an opportunity to just you're, you you kind of have the game told to you, you know, through the broadcasters, through the camera work, through the replays. So I'm saying that because I haven't actually yet got a chance to rewatch the game on television. So I'm just working with um, what I internalized live in person. I was so thankful to be there. Let me just say that, you know, I almost did not go to this game. OK, uh, I just bought a new home. Uh, with my family, uh, my wife and two-year-old took a trip with her family to Florida to celebrate her mom's um, 60th birthday. That should have happened a year and a half ago. The pandemic hit, so this was the week that they were gone. And I and we have this new home, and there's just so much to do. Right when you're setting up a new house, we're still in the process of moving. Um, so I'm like, man, you know what? Even though I'm credentialed for the game, you know, I could just do work around the house, and then I could. Just at 7 o'clock, tip off, just stop what I'm doing as opposed to leaving the house at 5 o'clock and da-da-da-da-da. So I'm going through this back and forth in my mind, and I said, you know what? F it. Look, your family's not here. You don't have, you know, just just go. Just go. This is a unique opportunity. Just go. Uh, A pivotal game five, right? So I went. And I am just so thankful I made that decision to go. I'm so thankful for the working relationships with the Nuggets uh, PR department to uh, credential me for that game and give me an awesome seat and just so blessed. Um, and and I was blessed with one of the one of the great playoff games um, of recent memory, a one forty seven one forty double overtime victory for the Nuggets. That this game had so many moving parts to it. It was a bona fide roller coaster that it felt like the Nuggets quite literally won the basketball game 
six different times. And it also felt quite literally that they lost the basketball game six different times. It just just the nature of and the dynamic of the game was so riveting. I was captivated for every single second of it. You could feel the angst and the tension inside the building. And man, you only get that with not just playoff games because it's that that type of um temperature in the building last night. It was not game 1 or game 2 vibes. It was a pivotal game 5 that was tied at 2-2 and you could feel that anxious nature within the live crowd there. And it's it's such an awesome feeling because that's actually earned that like tension and the knots in your stomach that you have to earn that. You have to put yourself in the position where it matters so much that you you have um, your stomach doing flips like you're on that roller coaster. So just a brilliant, brilliant all-time uh, game from an entertainment standpoint and a brilliant all-time game from Damian Lillard. I mean, what are the chances that the Portland Trailblazers win a game four when Dame goes for just 10 points and then they lose a game five where he goes historic and finishes with double nickels? A 55 on 12 of 17 threes. Are you effing kidding me? I've never seen anything like it in my life. And and, and I heard um, a good friend of this podcast, good friend of our show, Stokely and Zach here in Denver, uh, Matt Moore, say, say it so simply. Um, he took 17 threes and missed five of them. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm still wrapping my head around what I saw. And even even the times where I, I saw the one leave his hand in overtime so late, and I said, oh, my gosh, that is, you know, I had a really good vantage point behind the sh- uh, hoop that he was shooting at. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's way off. And it was so off, it's on. The bank was open, high glass. Are you kidding? Um, I'll remember that performance for the rest of my life. 55 points in 52 minutes from Damian Lillard. Just stunning. And somehow... Some way, uh, the Nuggets find a way to win. Like, if I went in the future and I told you that Dame is going to go for 55 and shoot 17 of 24 from the field, 12 of 17 from three, go to the free throw line, make nine of 10, oh, and he's going to have 10 assists and just one turnover? Of course, Portland won. Oh, he scored 17 of his team's 19 points in the first and second overtime? Of course, the Blazers found a way to win. Uh, to win. But that's not how it went down. It was the ultimate microcosm of who the Denver Nuggets are. It was the ultimate team victory. Jokic was phenomenal and historically good in his own right. The first player in uh, NBA playoff history to finish with 38 points, 11 rebounds, have nine assists, and oh, also have four blocks. Just just flat out incredible, but it wasn't just Jokic. Michael Porter Jr., phenomenal, phenomenal response to Game 4. You think of the questions being asked about MPJ after Game 4. You think of the narrative that was out there. And, and, the, and the legitimate questions of like, yo, is this dude, is he a guy in the moment 
of duress, when the bullets are flying, do you want that guy next to you in the foxhole? And I just thought it was a brilliant response. You know, Michael Porter Jr. only took three shots in game four, finished with just three points. So those questions were not only inbounds, they were at center court. And that was one of my big questions and storylines. If you go back to the preview um, that uh, we did before this series, um, my my it was either my first or second biggest storyline of the series was could Michael Porter Jr. extend his regular season, um, I don't know what to call it, greatness, phenomenal stretch of play. You know, it was like a two-and-a-half-month period uh, that we really emphasized here on the podcast. You know, this type of stage, this is different. This is not, you know, game 60, game 68. Like, this is the NBA playoffs, national television. Thank God they lifted the blackout. Um so, so I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine, you know, it, it, we already suffered through it in game three, but could you imagine if, if the, if the Denver Metro and larger Colorado community wasn't able to watch that game? Uh, good thing we don't have to ask those questions. Um, they did the right thing. And, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. to respond and step up after that real low light of his playoff career to finish with 26 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. He also ripped 12 rebounds off the backboard, had 3 assists and 2 steals. I mean, come on. Michael Porter Jr. was a team high plus 11 when he was out there. And I just thought from a response standpoint, man, it didn't get much better than that. And you think about the shot with, what was it, a minute 33 left, something like that. When Jokic has the basketball on the right side, and he's just, I, I believe, like just outside the lane, and it was a real stagnant possession, and Jokic, like quite visibly, signals like somebody do something, and it was a cut, a timely cut from Aaron Gordon, who was higher on the wing, MPJ is in, in the deep corner opposite of Jokic, and it was a Michael or a uh, Aaron Gordon timely, a good IQ acumen play. He dives hard and he and he pulls with him uh, Robert Covington, who was just sort of almost guarding both of them because of the inactivity of the possession. And Covington has to take a step to address the Aaron Gordon cut because he's going to have a wide open dunk. And that step is all Jokic needed in real time. Soon as he's making the step, Jokic goes over the top, and you know, almost like a quarterback layering a throw right, um, you know, between like a linebacker and uh, a safety or a corner. He put it. Jokic put the basketball right over the outstretched fingertips of Robert Covington. There must have been an inch of difference between. Uh, the ball and and the tip of his middle finger, and it finds Michael Porter Jr. perfectly in his shooting pocket. And one of my favorite parts about that shot and the the ultimately the the game winning shot uh, is that there was no hesitation, none. You know, uh, we used to do this. We I used to do this um, podcast with uh, Earl Boykins, and uh, the first year we did the Mile High Hoops podcast, and he would say. When you're out there on the floor, there's 10 guys. Seven of them don't want to take that shot. Three of them do. You hope that your team has two of them. 
We know that in the past, Jokic and Jamal Murray has been that guy. Murray's not in the fold because of uh, the the devastating uh, injury to his knee. But we have our answer about this current group, about the second guy's willingness to take that shot. Uh, and it was Michael Porter Jr. And it just a massive, massive shot. And it, it, and for MPJ and maybe the Nuggets as a whole, as an organization even, it was, it, first of all, it doesn't get much bigger of a shot than that, but that shot going down may be bigger than the actual shot and uh, the the seminal moment in this series. I'm talking about for his career and for uh, the organization's growth intertwined with Michael Porter Jr.'s development. A shot like that, um, mark it down. Mark it down. That's a real footnote in his career because we, um, you know, you can only, when you talk about your confidence in a moment like that moving forward, um, there's real confidence and there's fake confidence. And fake confidence could be based off a belief in yourself. I get it. But real confidence comes a drawing from a moment of actual history. All right, so Michael Porter Jr. and the rest of the Denver Nuggets will all be able to look at each other with conviction moving forward, knowing that MPJ is ready for that moment. And it was just a just a massive, massive moment. And hopefully, when uh, hopefully in a week um, or or even by a Saturday night, uh, we can look back at a Nuggets a playoff a series win and look to that moment as one of the signature moments in the series. The Nuggets are one game away from redemption, going back to that 2019 second-round series. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Again, I know I've been saying that all series. This is going to be, I believe, a seven-game series. And if it does go to seven, I will be there on Saturday. Uh, Still waiting for uh, what the time, start time looks like. Um, And we don't even know if it's necessary. So so we'll see one, one step at a time. Um, I, I want to uh, draw attention uh, real quick here to just the persistent nature of Nikola Jokic. Now, I already went over his stats and talked about the history, but there was moments in that game where Jokic was struggling. You know, there was, there was a handful of uh, threes that just did not go down, and when he had Inez Cantor on him, uh, he, he destroys Cantor at will. And I don't quite know why he was settling Uh, there down the stretch of that basketball game. Um, But the persistent nature of Jokic, the persistence is, comes from, the persistence persistence comes from an acknowledgement of who he is and what he means to the team and also what they don't have. Where some of that burden in the past could be shouldered and shared by Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic understands what he means to this group, and he never took his foot off the gas from an aggressive standpoint. He never got down. Uh, I, I shouldn't say he never got down because he did have a, a moment of real frustration where he's getting fouled and he stays in the backcourt while it, uh, the Blazers are going downhill the other way, gets the technical. So I, I shouldn't say he didn't have a moment. Um, but that game was so much larger uh, than that moment. Uh, I thought Austin Rivers, man, are you kidding me? For him, again, he played almost 50 minutes, okay? For for Austin Rivers to go for 18-7 and seven, uh, in a game that had the magnitude of that game five, another monster tip of the cap. 
uh, instead of calling them Austin Rivers, I may just start calling them off the street rivers uh, because that's th- that that's his story here with the Nuggets. And you could not if you handed this script to a Disney studio, uh, they may crumple it up. All right. Uh, Monte Morris, seminal moment, seminal moment in his playoff uh, career. We've seen him struggle in years past. Excuse me. We've seen him struggle. I'm dying here, by the way. I barely got any sleep. I was up doing our morning show. I was home at nearly midnight last night. Was up doing the morning show. About to do another three hours here as soon as I uh, get done with this podcast. Another three hours on the air. And then I'm going on the afternoon drive show. So I'm trying to keep my voice at a kind of steady level because in do- they had me do these videos last night from the arena. Well, the arena is so damn loud, I have to like scream into the phone to do these um you know, live shots at the arena. And uh, I've, 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 I can feel, I can feel my voice uh, waning. Um, but to, to Monty Morris, um, you know, we, we know about his struggles in the past. He's talked about his playoff struggles in the past uh, and just not maybe being ready uh, for that type of moment. Um, as a lot of guys often, often are not. Um, I thought he was just great. Played over 40 minutes, uh, had 28 points. I mean, are you kidding? 28 from Monte Morris? He was a 7 of 18 from the field, uh, so not glossy in terms of the box score, uh, but he made four threes and got to the free throw line and made 10 of 11 threes. He had five assists, did not turn it over, not one time, not one time. So in a game where the margins are so razor thin, I just thought Monty Morris was exactly what the doctor ordered. And just the bench um, in total, not one member of the bench. I shouldn't say not one. Shaq Harrison ended up with a minus one, but he only played a single minute. So I'm not really taking him to account with the substance of the game. So outside of him, not one Nuggets bench player ended with a minus. They were all plus or even. Um, You know, in that first half, uh, they were a huge part in that second quarter why the Nuggets got up 22. I'm going to be honest. I thought they were going to run the Blazers off the floor. You know, the temperature of it in that moment, I'm sitting there watching it, and the the the, the Blazers, I have it here in my notes. I said, I, I wrote it down here, Blazers, second quarter, they just don't have it. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> boy, was I wrong. Um, it was like a three-point game at the half. Um, after being up 22, that is hard to do. Uh, but Dame was great, and I believe he had 18 points at the half. And you know, gosh, this game had so so. so I tweeted this after the game: um, Blazers Nuggets first round series games a game five deserves its own 30 for 30, and it needs a part one and part two. I mean, it was just. So good. So good. I thought Aaron Gordon was uh, a terrific uh, for most of the game. Hit some big shots. Uh, a big mid-range shot down the stretch of the game. Had an early pull-up three. Not really used to seeing. He, he did it one other time uh, earlier in the playoffs. It might have been game one. Uh, I forget. But not used to seeing Aaron Gordon pull up for three, right? Um, so he he hit multiple threes. Pulled down ten rebounds. Had four assists. Uh, I thought he was really good. Um, you know, Composto didn't play great, but he also wasn't a backbreaker uh, for the Nuggets. Um, I thought, you know, Millsap had a moment or two. Jamichael Green had a moment or two. He knocked down a three, made a couple shots, finishes with plus five. I mean, this was a total team effort. I mean, this was a, you know, Marcus Howard hit three of four from three. Like, who would have who saw this coming? 
Who just saw this coming from guys like Rivers and, and Marcus Morris? Marcus Morris, uh, or um, excuse me, Marcus uh, Howard. He wasn't playing. Like he wasn't playing during the season. He's now he's logging like major playoff minutes. Played sixteen minutes. How many regular season games did Marcus Howard play? Sixteen minutes. Not many. I'd have to pull up the game log. But a total total team effort. And you look at um, you look at uh, the two most important games in this seven game series. Game three and game five. Nuggets. Nuggets. Now the Blazers have to win back-to-back games. I do think they'll win game six, uh, playing with an absurd uh, fight-or-flight, you know, uh, do-or-die attitude. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong about that. Um, but uh, this is, guys, this is this is the beauty of sports. I told our, our morning show this. Like, I, I love basketball so much, I re-fell in love with the game last night. And I hope that uh, that game... Uh, had a similar impact on you. Just wildly entertaining. And the Nuggets, man, every single time the chips are down, that's when they that's when they come out swinging. It's just, God, they're just such a fun team to, 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 to watch and root for. Wasn't perfect. I thought Mike Malone made some mistakes. I thought he should have fouled Dame uh, uh, Lillard there down the stretch of the basketball game uh, and put him on the free throw line as opposed to on the three-point line. Um, but hopefully uh, Michael uh, Malone learns from that and doesn't make the same mistakes uh, moving forward because that absolutely could have have cost uh, this basketball team. But it didn't. It was a 147-140 double overtime thriller that I am so glad that I got to be a part of uh, on Tuesday night in Ball Arena. All right, we'll leave it there for now, guys. I always appreciate, like I say at the start, you spending some of your day with me. And we'll see what happens on Thursday night on TNT in a potential game, a series clinching game six in Portland. All right, and whatever happens in game six, you know that we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Oh, hey, didn't realize you were listening. Well, let's make this quick and don't touch that dial. We're Rocky Mountain Forest Products, and we're not aggressive. We're passionate, and we're not going to blast you with facts you don't need. But when you do, visit rmfp.com. Whether you're in need of fencing, decking, or siding information, it's all there, and best of all, it's free. No one likes a salesman, so we're not going to sell you. Whether you need the info or not, just remember rmfp.com. You do you, Colorado. You do you.